Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Social Leverage or StockTwits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. Hello, this is President Donald Trump, and you're listening to Linsanity with Howard Lindzen. I hate that guy. Yo, yo, yo. Canute, we're back. Yes, we are. Another episode of Linsanity from the uh, podcast room at uh, Social Leverage Headquarters. Today, I'm going to dial up cold call Justin Paterno. He doesn't like answering my calls because he thinks I could be complaining about a bug in the stock to its product. But Justin runs stock to its product and a COO. So let's get him on the call. Can you? Hey, how are Yo. you? We're here with Howard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. Hey, Canute, this is my show. Shut up. All right, I'll shut up. So we've got Norway, New York, Phoenix in the room. Oslo, to be exact. That is right. Justin, Canute looks oh, the right. same as he did 10 years ago. I saw him at uh, Palooza this year. Oh, and right. I, Yeah. My hair's I didn't a little know he gray. was living in... <laughs> oh, well, he still lives in Phoenix. He lives up in North Scottsdale. I've been in Phoenix the last 18 years. Well, you're in North Scottsdale. Yeah, no, I, I thought he moved... Um, to Norway. Well, everybody is named Canute. So if you you probably just yeah. ran into it. I, probably, I opened Canute. the phone book. I was like, oh, Canute. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, I'm back. The only way to tell the Canutes apart in Norway is by height. They're all very different heights from 5'2 <laughs> to 7 to five two to seven feet. Oh. Well, actually, they name people after the height. Oh, it's So when they're 22, use. when they're grown, you know, they rename them. That's <laughs> two use. So, Justin, <laughs> we're going to uh, tell me if we can't talk about certain things, but we're going to have a quick conversation not about the markets, but about cool products that make stock twits. Because you, you're, you've, you've been running product there 10 years. You know everything about what startups are using. And, and so many people on stock twit stream are talking about these enterprise stocks and open software, uh, open uh, source software stocks. So I thought maybe we could talk in plain English from a thousand feet about some of these. Today was the Cloudflare IPO. Is there... Uh, how, how does StockTwits use it? Is there like a plain English way that you could help people understand what Cloudflare is? At least, you know, in, in, the, t- in, in the eyes of what a customer is? Yeah. So, I, you know, the way Cloud, Cloudflare is basically, you know, it's a, it's a network, right? So they, um, you know, they're, and it has a freemium model similar to like Spotify, right? So anyone can go and basically take their DNS and host it with Cloudflare, which protects you from getting your DNS hacked, stolen, or like, you know, hit up by some botnet. And they'll do that for free for anyone. And by doing that, they see all your traffic, right? Um, So they get that data. Um, So they're able to use that data to protect the entire network and everyone under Cloudflare um, from different attacks. So basically, they keep the web a lot safer. um, And they'll do some things for free. And then they'll do other things for, you know, for paid. And, you know, like any other freemium business, they're you know, most of their users are free. I, I think they have like 75,000 paying users, but those, those customers are, you know, big companies that have lots of needs, right? You know, and they're CDM. So they'll take our, like, you know, they can host your images and deliver your images and your content. Um, you know, they'll deliver your site, right? They'll, they'll deliver all your assets to the end user so that, you know, they don't have to go through your server. And they are not a... Uh monopoly well they're kind of a monopoly in a sense right they get smarter yeah i mean they they have a lot they have great network effects i mean 
you know, I think I told you the other day, I was like, in many ways, they're the internet. Um, you know, I think they're the biggest competitors, probably Google. Um, and Google tried, you know, and Google's made some attempts to get into this space. I think, I don't think they need the data. Um, and I don't think they see a business there that's, you know, a Google sized business right now, but, um, you know, Cloudflare, I know, you know, through, you know, just interactions over the years, I think they're, they, they tried to do accelerated mobile pages. I think, you know, there's an interesting ad play even on the Cloudflare side if they ever wanted to go down that road. And I, and I know they've probably been testing. Interesting. Okay, so so Cloudflare they went public today, closed at eighteen bucks. So hopefully that helps people. And and who is who's the customer Cloudflare? It's not just it's like anybody, any website, right? That has traffic or like who do you think? Yeah, mo- most major websites use them. I, I'd be, uh, I think, I, I don't know exactly who their customers are, but I, I would wager to say most major websites are yeah. using them. But if you just have your because own little blog, you don't need it. Well, no, but you can still use them, right? Like that's okay. the thing is you, it's free, right? Like I could say, you know, take, you know, point my DNS from like where it's hosted, like in GoDaddy to Cloudflare. And then I'm protected from certain things. That's um, cool. like, you know, DDoS attacks. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, you know, as you get bigger, they help you, you know, deliver your content faster. Um, and just help you in many different ways. Right. And there's lots of services that are kind of sitting up there trying to help you, you know, keep your site secure, keep it away from people who are just kind of blasting it with porn or you know, doing other malicious things. But it's not perfect. Like we get hit all the time. So in, in a world where we're getting attacked by like Europe or bots, how does Cloudflare work? Like when they're yeah, actually I mean, getting through. It's spy versus spy, right? Like the, the bots will get smarter, but you know, the network, will generally like, you know, keep it at a, a low level, right? Like it's hard for bots to scale out. Um, and even when we got hit yesterday, it was because of another system we use, um, you know, there was a bug with our integration there and you could just see like when one of those little things breaks for a second, um, you know, the world out there is really ugly. <laughs> yeah. We're just like keeping the Velociraptors out of the the yeah. main area it's crazy they're just attack 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 just keep coming in waves and waves and waves okay so that's on on that's a it's a, that's a great way for investors to understand cloudflare next up uh public company would be elastic so elastic is a stock that i own but uh is, is there a way that you could describe how stock twits uses it yeah elastic search saved me from Howard Lindsay phone calls at 4 a.m. Oh, about four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know um, what so Elastic, Elastic was four years ago. So, so Elastic, so we moved to Elastic. And what Elastic is, is it's basically a distributed search technology. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you have large searches you have to make, like or like lots of data to search, right? If you have to go to like a single, like a SQL database, it's very hard to do, right? Like it takes a lot of time. So you remember like old, you know, enterprise software, like from like the late nineties, early two thousands, you know, you, you do a query and it would be like, you know, loading, 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 and then it would give you your responses. Um, Elasticsearch distributes, distributes it like, you know, any, all other sorts of distributed computing and we'll give you results, you know, literally instantly. So it allows you to scale massive, you know, search across massive amounts of data very easily. Um, and what's interesting about Elastic is it's an open source technology. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like Red Hat was back in the day. And they built a service layer on top of that, right? So they let that technology get everywhere. And then they're basically trying to build the service layer 
um, on top of that technology. But they just um, have someone calling you going, hey, you're using it too much like a utility and pay for yeah. all these extra features? No, I mean, you could download the software and deploy it on your, like people are building businesses that compete with them. Like Amazon has taken their open source software. Mongo's doing it too, yeah. Yeah, Algolia does it. Um, Al Gore? You know, He's got a software, open source Al, software. Al Gore. Yeah, he, he invented the internet. <laughs> and now open source. So who is that, Al Gore? He forgot where he placed, he forgot where he placed everything. So he's like, <laughs> shit, I gotta search. So, so, so they're getting competition from their, yeah, Knut, you don't have her sound effects ready? Oh, a little late there, Knut. The, I uh, the, um, okay. So, and so we deployed Elastic for our search, correct? Yeah. So what was happening at Stocktwits was <laughs> like, as when we grew, like we were, you know, we, we were like a fire hose type feed, right? So, mm -hmm. um, you know, and similar to Twitter, but dissimilar to Twitter is that members can follow stocks. So, you know, what we'd have to do early on is we would write, like, if say you mentioned, say you sent a message, anyone that followed you, we'd have to write that message to their feed, right? Yeah. Um, at the same time, we'd have to write, if you mentioned the stock, we'd write the message to that feed, right? Mm -hmm. So, and they would all stream it in real time. Um, and, you know, what got tricky is as we grew and as we had stock following, um, what would happen would be, when you would mention a stock, and I used to use an example because you were actually like the the, the hardest thing to scale because you had the most followers. Uh -huh. And if you mentioned a stock with a lot of followers, say like you talked about Apple, mm -hmm. that had to make like, say you had 100,000 followers and Apple had 100,000 followers. That was, you know, 100,000 times like 100,000 rights. It had to happen very fast. Wow. So, so like if Apple was trending and popular people were talking about it, we had very like, the fan out method we were using, like it just had scalability problems. Right. Um, and as we grew and, you know, we were like in a really good, you know, really fast growth period, you know, it was like, you know, it was the worst time to have, you know, we just had to like find scalable software at that time. Right. And so we built the solution on elastic. Wow. And did, does Twitter use elastic you think, or no? Uh, I don't know. They bought that one company that they built search on, um, Maybe I think Twitter is actually very different in that their feed, like you don't follow a hashtag on Twitter, right? right. Um, so like you can do on-demand search, like you know, bringing up a ticker stream on StockTwits is a search essentially, right? Yeah. Following a stock is different because every message has to get written across everyone's feeds. And yeah, obviously, you know, there's people ways take to make it for granted how complicated this is. Like it's an amazing era where you could, where a team our size could have that many complicated things going on for someone to search and pull up a ticker and talk to somebody. I mean, building a, in many ways, stock with that is core is because of the stock following is more complex to deliver at scale than Twitter. Obviously their scale is a lot bigger um, because of that. Um, it's a harder engineering problem. Uh, yeah. to help them. And then but, it's designed too. It's not just an engineering. Then you got to design it. So the users know how to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, that's, of course, social network is a social network and you have certain things the user expects and the large, big social will push that forward over the years. So, like, you know, you're not competing with, you know, the the old media companies in your vertical. If you're a verticalized social network that you're trying to put out, you're actually competing with both them and the large social networks who have the features that you expect. So, you know, it's, it's a tough, tough game. And, and... Let's talk about a couple. Of, are, there, are there any other public companies that, whose products we use? I know, obviously, AWS. 
uh, and particles not public on the marketing side and on on the messaging side we don't use twilio i don't think right we use sendgrid do we use sendgrid um no we use braze for our cms um they're a fast growing for, company i think they're a fast growing company yeah yeah they're an interesting company i think m particle is really interesting yeah. um i think this whole concept even like the open source concept has been very very powerful in the enterprise because you know, it used to be that I would look at something, and M Particle is a great example. Like, and you know, for people that don't know what M Particle is, they're a customer data platform. So they take in all our event data. So, like, if us, if we want to know, like, you know, when someone likes a stock, when someone sends a message, um, you know, we can house all that data um, in M Particle, and then we can feed it out to different people. So we have our product analytics platform. Um, we have our CMS platform, um, and we have like, you know, if we did a lot of marketing spend and that's where they're really valuable is, you know, we can send that data to Facebook and track attribution and understand like how campaigns are doing across like, you know, it just completes the circle. Yeah. They'll be Um, public one day. I'm an investor that it's, it's like they have the kind of breadth of product that they should be a public company. So powerful. Yeah. I mean, it's very much like a Salesforce type business, right? Like where you have this like cloud. And then you have all these services around it, except, you know, Salesforce, you know, kind of has, nah, it's, it's very similar to Salesforce with a different use case. And then on Stockdust, what can we talk about? It's, it's, it's September. We're going to be, you're going to be launching a trade app pretty soon. Is there anything we can talk about? I mean, I, we're not going to talk specifics, right. but um, we're, you know, we are two weeks out of talking about this. Um, you know, the, the product itself is going to be really, really, interesting i think we've taken you know everything we've learned over the last you know 10 plus years um you know and very much our guiding mission when we started which was um you know how can we make the world better for um you know retail investors? how can we give tools and services to people that you know didn't have them before and first at thought it was like can we recreate the you know the the trade desk for you know regular people to connect them and have them feel like they have their own trading floor you know anywhere across the world i think when mobile hit you know we saw that really come to fruition because you know the idea that i could pick out my phone you know pick up my phone out of my pocket and if i'm in a stock i have access instantly to all these people and i can you know post about that stock and take pictures of you know do real channel checks or whatever and i think you know when you saw mobile you know commission-free trading come out um, you know, that was another, another really interesting extension because now, you know, you don't, you can, it changes the use case, like the, the whole behavior of trading changes. And I think, you know, I remember, you know, you and Robin Hood came out, you said, you know, and before I, like, I, I would think I was on the wait list. You're like, you know, you don't get it. So you tried. And like, it really is a different experience of having, you know, frictionless trading on your phone. But, you know, at the same time, you know, we believe that, you know, putting everything that we've learned and put everything we do together into a really interesting um, social experience around trading. And, in, you know, and we'll tell more about that in two weeks. Um, mm-hmm. One has the power of, you know, adding a layer of um, trust and verification in our network. So, you know, instead of, and I think as we've grown out, we've, we found that like some of the things we set out to, you know, do away with, you know, still are just endemic into the community, right? Like someone who, um, like the guru still exists on social media. And I think we were very, you know, I think we were very, um, you know, idealistic when we came out, we're like, Oh, let's 
kill all the gurus, but you know, you make your own over the years, right? Yeah. You know, um, and some of that is some of the problems that face the retail industry, right? Like people that, you know, might not be truthful about what they're doing or like, you know, at some point, you know, what we, what you'll see is people like trade stocks and share trades on stock and eventually they start trading people, right? They want to trade, you know, manipulate their people's impressions of them in order to sell something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that builds distrust. And with trade app, we want to bring, you know, trusted, verifiable, um, you know, trading and, and data to the social community. Cause we think that's the best thing. Like, yeah, I'm excited. It's what about sports betting and stuff? So I'll end it with stuff that, uh, you were in that industry for a while. Is sports betting happening. Yeah. I mean, like, you is. see it I coming to the phone is in like, just be obviously with DraftKings has been around like us a long time and had to kind of swim around the legal. Uh, but it feels like, you know, that is here. I think it is. I think you're going to see two waves. I think you're going to see, you know, one, it's still got to kind of go out to all the states. You know, I'm in New York. I don't even know what legal sports betting looks like oh. digitally, like unless mm-hmm. I like go to New Jersey, like take a bath. Um, and it's, it's funny because I, I was in New Jersey and it was like, you know, the first day of uh, football season or like right near football season. It was like ads everywhere. But anyway, like the way I'm seeing it develop, it's really interesting is like companies like DraftKings and FanDuel are, actually you know they're pivoting more towards you know betting than you know than fantasy. You know, daily fantasy makes sense there's more money in betting than fantasy it's a lot, a lot lower friction right like you're just like literally what do i think is going to happen and i could do it over and over again like fantasy the genius of daily fantasy was it reduced the friction and like you know you didn't have to like be like oh now i got like you know a whole team and i gotta do a draft and there's all like coordination problems it, it reduced the like, coordination problem, but now you have the true joy of just me staring at a TV gambling, which is what all I ever cared about. If yeah, I, mean, you I would never play in, fantasy, right? like, but I would bet on sports. Yeah, and I think what's interesting in the ecosystem is they're actually outsourcing the bookmaking to mm. like William Hills and the old sports books. So it's kind of like they're taking like the fintech brokerage model, Ooh. right? Like, so they're like they Apex. Like, no, they're like the Robin Hood of it. Exactly right. They're yeah. going to be the consumer relationship to the big, and then you have like the huge. big books are going to be like you know they're going to say, "Hey, we're going to go acquire customers and create interesting experiences and products," and you guys will be kind of like the the clearing firm, the the risk take, like you know the trading desk behind it, right? Like you know, if, say they want to, you know, regular like bets are fine, but maybe they want to create a different product, right? right. Um, or maybe they want to offer prop bets on something else. You know, it's bigger than the be. stock market. I think the way they've the way that we're turning the stock market into just a goddamn index that just goes up with no volatility it could be the sports market could be bigger than the stock market. I think. I mean, in certain you know, if you go to England, like you know, as far as retail investors go, I mean, betting you know, punting is huge, right? Yeah. Um, and even like in stocks, it's all about like CFDs or like binary options. So like it's that mentality. Mm-hmm. of like you know i either win or i don't yeah um but like things like betfair like they made it so that you could like trade bets. um and i think you'll see that next wave of innovation like how can we take what is fundamentally like now that the, that security of bet right is a legal security right like how can we create interesting ways to trade it right and that's where i think things will get really interesting um especially if these big books like you know william hill become more of a service layer underneath it all and, and and take on that business model which traditionally they've worried about getting to the customer but they're like hey we're just going to take risk 
and we're in that risk taking business and you're in this, you know, you're in this customer, you know, experience business. Like there could be really interesting gambling experiences that come out that are, you know, we haven't is that a public of. company? I know Churchill Downs a public company. Is that other one a back end a public company? I, I do some know. research. Probably in Europe. I don't think it would be legal to be there. They're like kind of like uh, that's gonna that's a powerful company. That one. Yeah, Betfair is an interesting company. I mean, they've been wanting to come to the U.S. and now that it's legal, they'll be here. Patty Power, actually, yeah. not Patty Power owns Betfair, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, but really, it's like. <laughs> I think it's going to be interesting in that area of the market because they need to adapt quickly too, because anyone with capital can, you know, well, the front end. hire, you could, well, you can just, you know, if you have enough money, you can hire like some really good bookmakers, you know, and get started very quickly. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you want to build that new world, right. Like, you know, like it's not, you know, it's not like any experienced bookmakers, but, and relationships, but, someone who's just thinking 100% like I want to be the enabler of the sports betting ecosystem, um, you know, build interesting, great APIs to like, then like you could build a stripe for betting, right. Where like they can define their risk and you can build products on top of that just by like, like building interesting, you know, combinations of bets potentially, you know, there's lots of interesting things you could do. Okay, well, we'll have these more often now that I've got this set up, but uh, have a great weekend and good luck with the launch uh, coming up here in a couple weeks. All right, thanks. All right, see you, buddy. There you have it. Justin explaining in plain English some of the stocks that I own. I mean, it's easy, you know, it's it's easy to like read about these things, but I think you have to kind of understand how powerful these software products are to realize like people dismiss it. It's crazy, right? Definitely. Yeah. So uh, thanks, Justin, for doing that. Knut, have a great weekend, and we'll be back with some more podcasts next week. Same to you. Have a good weekend.